This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. This week, women who are breaking the mold from construction to auto repair. I hope to inspire more women to come in here and go at it with the boys. Women are making a name for themselves in jobs traditionally dominated by men. Today, we introduce you to some of those who are making a difference and having a real talk about what should be done to change the makeup of these industries. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Haffel. Each week in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we have a real talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado. And this week, we're taking a look at traditionally male-dominated industries and the amazing women who are breaking the mold. From construction to aviation to auto repair, women are proving they too are strong workers who are willing to get their hands dirty. And we begin by introducing you to several women who are making a difference within the Aurora Fire Department. Thursday was worse than yesterday. A chatty moment among colleagues and friends. <laughs> but on any given day, these three Aurora firefighters are busy saving lives. I knew my passion, my soul, my heart, and what everything was instilled in me, that I could pretty much do this job just like anyone else. Kathleen Hancock was born and raised in Colorado, but her firefighting journey begins in Tucson, Arizona. I was at that time an athletic trainer working for a clinic and also working at a high school. And I treated a couple fire chiefs and other captains and lieutenants. Hancock says as she started learning more about the profession, she decided it was time for a change. Eventually, Hancock moved back to Colorado, completed her firefighter training, and joined the Aurora Fire Department. It wasn't until after speaking at our graduation that someone said, you know, a lot of people are standing here today was waiting to see you succeed or fail. And I didn't get it until they said, you are the first African-American female firefighter of Aurora. For me, it wasn't about a proudness, it was a shock. But it also made me know it's a platform to bridge and I've got two others behind me. Those two others are Danielle Allen and Brooke Sims, bringing the total number of black female firefighters in Aurora to three. Allen and Sims say they knew they wanted to be firefighters years before joining this department, and they're grateful Hancock was already here, ready to support them. Like I knew her as like the recruiter, right? And so had respect for her right off the bat. And then she became my friend. And then she became my sister. I'm short, but she's tall. So the presence that she has when she walks in the room is one thing. But the second thing is just her nature of being down to earth, straightforward, and always striving to do the right thing. And I think being in the presence of those people, they are transformative. And even though these three are close, Hancock, Allen, and Sim say they can't wait until their presence is no longer special and instead becomes the norm. I had such a great time on that shoot. As you can tell, personalities galore. We wanted to hear more from Aurora Lieutenant Kathleen Hancock, so we invited her to this real talk. We want to talk about everything uh, pertaining to you and the Aurora Fire Department and many of the barriers that you're, you've broken, but I want to start by asking you, what is the typical reaction you receive when you tell people you work for the fire department? Typical reaction has nothing been out of the norm. Mm -hmm. It's been at this time a normal thing. Where it becomes out of the norm is when you have more than myself as another female, whether it be two more of us or three more of us that we walk on. And that's when you kind of see people kind of take a look. Once in a while you have somebody come up that's another female and be like, 
this is wonderful to see this many women could get off of a fire rig. So that's kind of the norm that I've been seeing. Is there ever a reverse of that being like, oh, where, where's everyone else? No, I haven't that's had anything awesome. like that at all. That's so cool. I have not experienced that. Yeah. And I, I think the, the, the question I love is, you know, what does it mean to be a black woman specifically in this role? As we just saw, the, 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 the boss to friend to sisterhood, the importance of that, especially having that representation in, in the fire department. Well, overall, you don't see very many of us uh, African-American females in the fire service. I do notice that more down, when you go down south, when I've had uh, continuing education courses down there, you do see more that identify like me. But here in Colorado, it's been hard because I've looked at it from being in the recruiting position. Is it because we're not informed or is it because we're not hitting the right places? But once you do, I mean, the, the things that we're doing out there to try to bring that around, not being around it, mm -hmm. is opening up, whether that be getting into the high schools, mm -hmm. coming out to the elementary schools, when we're out, out, out shopping for food, I make sure I take advantage of going up to the younger kids sure. of all nationalities yeah. to see them see my face and tell them my name. Because you're going to think in the uniform, of course, with my male counterparts, I look like a male. That's going to happen, but I'm always telling them my name yeah. so they know and then they kind of get that surprise. When I first met you, I could tell the importance that you, you realize the importance that is of your representation and what it means to young people in the community. I do want to ask you, though, what do you say to people who say, oh, firefighting is for men? Have you ever experienced a comment like that or been up against anything like that? I haven't experienced, fortunately for me, I have not experienced that type of comment. I can say there's others that I have known throughout the states that have experienced that comment being made, maybe not directly like that, but in a roundabout way or in the behavior. And for anyone that's experiencing stuff like that, you knew what you wanted to do. I've always said your worst enemy is your own voice. Mm -hmm. Your own voice, if you take that and internalize that, it's gonna make things worse. All you have to do is know Maybe that individual that said that has a fear within themselves mm -hmm. that you may make them look worse than what they do know. And all you can do is be humble. And if anything, you just step into the role and you keep trucking forward. Yeah. Talk about, you know, maybe stepping into this role and saying, I've got a voice and to use that voice and to maybe, you know, say things that you may not have said earlier to, let's say, a superior to someone who you're, you're seeing and working with every single day. The way I handle those situations, if I don't agree with you, um, I'm always one, I believe my crew members and my coworkers know that I will always respect the badge and respect who you are. But if it's a situation where I don't agree upon and we don't agree upon it with, with each other, I'm gonna approach it. I'm gonna ask and try to find a way to solve it. Whether that other person chooses to be an adult and let's have this adult conversation and handle it, that's on them. Because in the, in the real of it, we're here for the community. We are here for the community and to get each other home safely. And if we cannot break these barriers of what and why you think I cannot do the job better than you, then that's you to go and try to figure that out for yourself instead of us working this out together. Yeah. I know you're doing a lot of programming surrounding the youth. Talk to us a little bit about that. We have at the end of this month, along with my other coworker, uh, Lieutenant Solano, uh, we will be doing this is our fourth year of a girls' fire camp, and some other areas of fire departments do it as well. We started that um, in the past where it's now a three-day 
girls camp that's from the ages of 12 to 18. We'll be doing it at the end of this month of July 28th to the 30th. We'll spend one night, which is that Saturday overnight. That goal is not only to give them hands-on, the understanding of the fire service, but the main goal we want is these young women to walk out knowing that no matter what job they walk into, they can do it, to have the confidence that no matter how afraid you are inside, to learn how to handshake, to be in well-spoken, and just know that overall, they've got support. You're going to fumble sometimes, you'll be able to get back up, and we're always their resources no matter which way they go. Yeah. Making a difference in the present yes. and preparing the next generation of firefighters to come along. I hope so. Well, thank you so much, Lieutenant Kathleen Hancock, for joining us for this Real Talk. Thank you. Our Real Talk on male-dominated industries takes to the skies next. Outside of flight attendants, the aviation industry hasn't had a lot to offer women. But don't tell that to our next guest. She's been a pilot for decades, flying passenger aircraft and even B-25 bombers. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. Today we're having a real talk about traditionally male-dominated industries and some women in our state who are breaking barriers. We are shifting this real talk to the friendly skies now. The aviation industry has traditionally been one of the most male-dominated, specifically when it comes to pilots and maintenance crews. According to the Women in Aviation, or workforce report from 2021, Aside from flight attendants, women make up under 20% of the workforce in any given aviation career. The careers with the three lowest percentages of female employees are maintenance technicians, aviation organization CEOs, and pilots. And right now we have American Airlines Captain Donna Miller here to win on this Real Talk. Donna, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, first, a woman named Emily Warner inspired you to become a pilot. Can you briefly tell us about her? She uh, worked here in Colorado. Uh, she was a flight instructor for Clinton Aviation. And she instructed many of the male pilots that went on to fly for United Airlines and for Frontier. Uh, she had 7,000 hours um, at the time that she uh, interviewed with Frontier Airlines. Yeah. And that was much more than any of the men had. And, and she says the timing was right. She says she got lucky, but it was her talent and her skill and her, just her professionalism. Uh, and that inspiration between you two, uh, how was that to, to meet and to connect and to have that inspiration? She was amazing. I first heard her speak at a 99s meeting in Grand Junction. And the 99s is an international organization of women pilots. Mm -hmm. And she was so amazing, just so professional and lovely. And I thought, that's what I want to be. Incredible. You're from Colorado originally. I am. And I want to ask about someone else who helped you get where you are today. Can you tell us who really helped you along? Elroy B. Jefferson yes. and the terminal building at, at Denver the, International Denver, that's right. is named after him. Um, I worked for the company at, um, at the time that I met him and I was chosen to help him catalog all of his memorabilia that w went into the display at DIA. And he would tell his friends that came over, she's gonna be an airline captain someday. And I thought, if he can believe in me, I can believe in myself. 
and you did become a captain for American Airlines I in did. December. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, how common is it for women to become captains of, of major airlines? Thankfully, it's becoming more and more common. However, we're still just at 5% of, of women pilots, and captains are maybe 2%. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, it's still, we have a long way to go. Right. Oh, right. right. Climbing, slowly climbing. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. Well, the chair of the Women in Aviation Advisory Board says culture is the biggest barrier that discourages women from entering the field. What has your experience been like with the culture of the industry? It's changing for the better. Um, it, it was tough at first, um, and it, you kind of would say go along to get along. But I think now it is changing, and um, I think men are seeing us as, as equal partners, yeah. and you know, we, can, we can work together. You said it was tough at first. Right. What was tough about it? Um, at first, it was always being the only female in the class and the only female in, in, the, in the industry. Um, and and it, it was difficult to um, look around and not see anybody that looked like you doing the job that you want to do. Yeah. Um, it's but, like you feel on all the time, I bet. Yes, yes. And sometimes the instructors would say, gentlemen, and then look at you and say, uh, and lady. Yeah. So, you know, that was, but you just, it just made me try harder. Well, it was a constant harder. reminder, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And anecdotally, I, I hate to bring it up, but it's something that sticks with me when I was a kid. I remember being on a flight with two uh, female pilots, and that was cool. Except there was grumbling in the seats, like, oh, where's the rubber? And I'm like, that just seemed, it stuck with me from when I was a little kid. But you said that may be changing, where it's more accepted in the industry these days. It is, and we tell the passengers it's an unmanned flight. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just had a female first officer a couple of weeks ago. And it's, it's really fun um, to fly with, with another female and yeah. just... We had a nice, nice trip. And what, what, air, what plane do you fly typically? I'm or? on the Airbus A320 series. Okay. So. That's a pretty big plane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's still the narrow body. I came off of the 787 as a first officer, mm -hmm. but in order to upgrade, um, I had to go back to the narrow body. Got it. Well, how can we make the industry a little bit more diverse, especially when we talk about the next generation, trying to inspire them into these industries that they don't see themselves in? What are your thoughts on, on increasing diversity? We have several programs. First of all, women can't sit still for five minutes without starting a scholarship program. <laughs> so there are several scholarships for girls. Now we have aviation camps, uh, Girl Scout badges, uh, we work with, we realize that we have to encourage girls at a younger age than by, you know, high school or college. So we start with younger girls and to show them that it's a possibility and that, that if they can see themselves in that position, they can do it too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Captain Donna Miller for thank joining you. us. Thanks for, for having me today. Talk. You know, there are different ways for women to find their ways into these kinds of jobs, and Aurora's Pickens Technical College is a great way to pursue a career in these industries. There are a number of skilled trade programs such as welding, HVAC services, and auto tech. For some of the women in these programs, they know they can stand out in the crowd. 
It was noticeable, but I realized, hey, maybe I have a chance to show some of these boys up, show that I can be as good as them. I do see this as something that I could possibly make a career out of. I wish more women would do it, and I hope to inspire more women to come in here and go at it with the boys. Well, the best part about the program at Pickens, students in high school can enroll to try out any of these programs. Students spend half of their day at the trade school learning these new skills. Auto repair shops can be intimidating for many people. Our next guest is creating more than an inclusive space for customers. We share the change the Good Judy Garage is bringing to the auto repair industry. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm CPR's Nathan Heffel. This week, we're having a real talk on male-dominated industries and the push to get women into these fields. Yeah, an auto repair shop in the metro is creating more inclusive space for all people. I'm taking you inside the Good Judy Garage. Well, I am here with Cece Haug, the co-owner of Good Judy Garage. I want to start out with what was the inspiration behind Good Judy Garage, the name, the concept, all that good stuff, Cece? Oh, um, so when I decided to, to transition openly, um, I had been in industry for years, um, manufacturing, automotive, those type of things. Um, and I knew it just wasn't a, a super welcoming environment necessarily. Um, me and my partner, Faith, were kind of talking about, you know, different things and I was had one time jokingly sort of said you know I wish there was just a shop somewhere where I could go hang out um, work and make a living and just kind of quietly transition um, and so her response to that was well why don't we just build something why don't we open something and so we started talking about it and the, the idea kind of took off from there um, the good Judy garage um, it's kind of a, an homage um, Judy Garland in the LGBTQ community was a, a huge supporter at a time when it wasn't okay to be out. Um, and so it kind of became code speak among people in the community that a, a friend or a supporter was a, was a, a good Judy. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody that was part of the community was a, a friend of Judy. Um, and so we kind of adopted that as sort of the business principle and the name. Um, to be supportive in the LGBTQ community. Um, in general, just a safe space as a whole for all of our customers that might not feel welcome somewhere else. Yeah. How has the reception been so far? Um, it's been overwhelming. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been quite a surprise um, in terms of how quickly things took off, um, how quickly we built a customer base. And it, you know, it's been nice to, to support the community different ways that we can um, and to, to hire people and bring on staff um, and just kind of create a, a, an environment here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, today we are specifically talking about women and male dominated industries. I would think that your business falls into that category. Talk to me just about some of the challenges of being in an industry like this as a woman? Um, you know, traditionally, the automotive industry is one of those male-dominated industries. It's the same challenges that come up in a lot of those industries, I think, for women um, or for, for anybody that sort of falls outside of that, that basic male um, presence. And 
not so much um, like overt discrimination and things like that. I think we've reached a point where most people, when they see that sort of thing, kind of call it, but, but just sort of that kind of microaggression. Um, and, and on some level, things people don't even realize that they're doing um, can make people feel uncomfortable or unwelcome. Um, and so it can be a challenge. Yeah. We often say representation matters, and I know sometimes that's thrown out as a catchphrase, but I feel like in a space like this, I could literally feel the representation mattering. Um, in, in the community, uh, especially when it comes to women, especially when it comes to the LGBTQ community, because sometimes, um, even just speaking for myself, taking your car in for something as simple as an oil change can be stress-inducing. Yeah, and it absolutely can, um, you know, and, and I've experienced that in my own life. Um, at the time when I was sort of working in the manufacturing industry and just worked on my own stuff at home, you know, there's things where you need special equipment or this or that. And, um, couldn't do it in the garage at home, uh, so would have to take it to a shop or something like that. Um, and, and just kind of across the board, not, not a super welcoming um, or comfortable environment for people necessarily. And so when we set out to, to create this place, one of our, our priorities and sort of how we were um, pursuing things and how we were developing things was to try to make sure that it was a comfortable space for everyone, all of the customers, all of the employees, um, and, and to really sort of keep that at the forefront. Absolutely. Well, Cece, thank you so much for having this real talk with us about Good Judy Garage. You're welcome. Thank you. And I just want to add that the majority of the employees at Good Judy Garage were assigned female at birth. Mm -hmm. And I found that extremely interesting. Also, when you walk in there, it's just a good vibe. It feels good. It feels happy. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's not necessarily the case in all auto repair shops. I know there are certainly many welcoming shops out there. But this one in particular... Yeah. Just a different feeling, and it felt good. I love that. And this whole episode, I love the fact that we're hearing that these industries are reaching out to young girls and saying, yes, we want you to uh, to think about this. And I have a, I have a you know six-year-old daughter. I would love to take her to the fight <laughs> or to, to the aviation school because there's so many spaces that she may or may not feel welcome in that now she can. Absolutely. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week, we'll be having a real talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. And you can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.